It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is Labor Day weekend, which means it's time for a Labor Day weekend mailbag. And so, of course, bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley, who, by the way, is very, very happy that he doesn't have to stand outside during training camp anymore, climate-controlled bucket hat or not. Yes, very, very happy. Now I, I get to stay um, mostly to, in my AC until, you know, the temperature gets a little colder and then I get to stay in the heat or go venture out in the cold because I actually like the cold. So so I'm that's this time of year. Everyone gets excited that football is here and I'm just excited as everybody for that. But I'm more excited for the cold creeping around the corner. The question, of course, is if the cold comes, are you going to move your tennis game indoors? Because you've been getting back into tennis, and I hear that right now you're in training for next year's U.S. Open. So if it gets really cold, I think you're going to have to rent some indoor court time. Yeah, that that's uh, the the whole, you know, getting ready for U.S. Open things a little bit out of reach. <laughs> um, so ponying up for indoor tennis courts is... Is a lot. I, I was actually looking into it recently, and there was like uh, one thing I found was like five thousand dollars for the year, but I couldn't even like bring somebody in with me. So like I'm like, well, what's the point of that? I need to be able to bring a friend, and I don't have any friends who's willing to pony up money to go play tennis like that. They'll play with me for free outside, but they're not ponying up money to play inside. So that once it gets cold, the tennis might have to get on hold. It's going to be a little trickier. Might have to do GoFundMe for you to build your own tennis center on your property, Chris. I think we may have to make that happen for you so that very big deal tennis can go on year round. I, I mean, I'm I'm with it. This is a, this is a grand <laughs> idea, and I'm all about it. While we contemplate the best way to raise funds for the Chris Nimbly Very Big Deal Tennis Arena, let's answer some questions in the mailbag. First one comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, are you happy with Salah's staff based on what you watched at training camp? What is the leash with Jeff Ulbrich with fans if the team starts losing and the corners that are inexperienced and the linebackers that are inexperienced aren't playing well? Are people going to start screaming for Salah to take over the defense? What is a successful season for Jeff Ulbrich and the defense in your eyes? Also, why don't more NFL teams think outside the box and hire upcoming college coaches instead of retread coordinators? I'll answer that last part. I have a feeling Chris is going to have a similar answer. The biggest reason is because... 
people in the NFL tend to hire those that they know and those that they're comfortable with rather than thinking outside the box. That was one thing that I really liked about Matt Rule is that he brought in Joe Brady, who he'd never worked with before. To me, that shows a fresh approach. I'm hoping that more coaches start doing that because I think it would shake things up in the NFL and make things more interesting. But I think that's the basic reason why that doesn't happen. That That is definitely a big part of why it doesn't happen. Another big part of why it doesn't happen is you're kind of seeing it in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer right now. Uh, they're, college coach and NFL coach, they're completely different worlds. Um, you have to deal – you deal with the players completely differently. You have a different control over the players because you're recruiting them. Um it's so it's a completely different world in that aspect of coaching wise. It's like a completely different sport and it doesn't translate the same. Like Matt rule is an exception because Matt rules, not the typical college type of guy in your face. And that doesn't really play as well in the NFL. And then they come and they try to do things their way. Um, and it, it, it doesn't work out a lot of times. Uh, so that that's a big part of it as well. Um, now, as far as how big of a leash does Ulbrich have? Uh, yeah, a, a very very long leash at this point. Um, of course, there's obviously going to be fans that are gonna they lose the first game, especially they lose to Sam Darnold. There's and uh, Sam Darnold throws two and two touchdowns. There's going to be fans that are going, how do you let this bum do this to, uh, <laughs> they're going to be calling for it. But with the state of this defense, with how young this defense is, they, they know that there's, it's going to be bumpy. They know that it's not going to be pretty at times. They know that they're, they're going to have to live through growing pains with this cornerback crew. Um, they're, they're absolutely well, well aware of that. They know it's not going to be a rosy picture. This is going to be something that keeps coming up. Um, so he's got a, a very long leash for this season. It's just, it, they they have an idea expectations wise of what things want to look like. Um, I can't really you know explain that through a podcast with you, but as as long as the defense as a whole isn't completely lost and looks like they know what they're doing, uh, and he, Oberg is coaching them and getting them in the right positions. You even saw. The last week, the play that Jermaine, uh, Jamie and Sherwood just missed on Boston Scott to open the preseason game, that it didn't look great because he just missed him. He went off for a touchdown, but you can see so much of what Jamie and Sherwood did right on that play. He just took like one step a little out of direction, but he did so many other things right there. Like that's not going to be something that they're going to pin Ulbrich from. That's just going to be a mistake that they're going to have to deal with and, and ride through this year. And then as far as the rest of the staff, I mean, I'm, I'm pleased with what I've seen offensively from uh, the brother LaFleur. Uh, we'll have to wait and see exactly how the play calling goes. That's going to be my big question is, and that typically always is. It's also the easiest thing to complain about with an offensive coordinator. And it's, it's also a silly thing to complain about a lot of times, even though it's really hard to avoid because a lot of most times 
the it, problem with the play calling isn't the choice in the play call. It's the lack of execution of said play call. Uh, if the play call was executed right, the play call would be better. And so it can be hard to determine that. Obviously, we, you got Brant Boyer here running the special teams. Uh, he's been here through a couple coaches, so we know that he's doing everything. He how he he runs a smooth ship there. Uh, there's just a lot to like about the way that I've said it before. This these practices seem much more organized. They just flow better. The players are excited about. Uh, the coaches, all of them, they they really respect the energy and the respect that Salah gives back to them. But they see that they feel that with the other coaches too. And uh, yeah, it's just the practices have just run really smoothly. So I, I've been impressed with the, what I've seen from the entire coaching staff so far. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Say My Name. If he says the plan appeared to be that the pass rush was going to put heat on the quarterback, and so it wouldn't matter as much what the cornerbacks did. But now that Carl Lawson is gone, how much more does this make the cornerback weakness stand out? I'd say a lot more. If you weren't that nervous about the cornerbacks before because you assumed that Lawson and the interior line and Bryce Huff were going to be able to get to the quarterback and make it a situation where they weren't going to have that long to throw, okay, decent strategy I suppose and it's a good way to try to cover up for the lack of quality cornerbacks but now that Lawson's gone yeah you should be very concerned yeah on the whole like on the aggregate definitely uh, more on a play-to-play basis it you know it's not going to be that big of a deal necessarily because you still have Quinn and Williams uh Sheldon Rankins inside full of uh, Nathan Shepard you still have Bryce Huff John John Franklin Myers there they're still going to be able to apply some pressure. Ronald Blair, they're still going to be able to do that. They still have guys that can get after the quarterback. And on any given play, they can get after it just as well as with Carl Lawson here or not. On the whole, though, that you're taking away their their biggest threat off the edge they're more of inside uh, guys now. Even someone like John Franklin Myers still last year at least was a lot uh, more productive going inside. So you don't have as much of a sure thing on – not a sure thing, but as much of a cleanup uh, on the the edge there. That's going to make it a little harder. Uh, that means the cornerbacks are going to have to step up, uh, uh, hold their – coverages for a couple split seconds longer not just one split second longer a couple split seconds longer and that's that's going to lead to more of those bumps in the roads that that we are t- been talking about it's you're going to see some of that you're going to have to live and uh, die through some of these growing pains with these rookie corners this year they're probably going to lose a game because of it or you know probably two uh, maybe even two games that they're going to lose because they got these rookie corners who just couldn't stick with their man for just long enough because the pass rush couldn't get there either. But it, it, they are aware of this. And again, if if your expectations are the Jets are making some deep playoff run, then I'd, I'd adjust those expectations now because there's just too many problems on this roster right now that's 
a work in progress. That that's the thing. It it's it's going to be a work in progress the entire season. The 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 defense, the cornerback group that the it's not going to be a finished product this year. Next question comes in from the scribe. He says, "What do you think has a bigger impact on a rookie quarterback? A strong QB friendly system?" Or weapons around him. Also, love the podcast. Scott, you and the Very Big Deal have great insight. Well, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. And I'm sure Chris does too, right, Chris? Absolutely. Of course. Uh, you know, always good to be a recognized and appreciated for the true talents that we are. <laughs> Maybe the true talent that you are, because you are a very big deal. But as far as the question that you asked, I think the weapons around the rookie quarterback matter more than the system. The system definitely matters, no question about it. But I just think if you get the guy really good offensive linemen and really good weapons, if he's a good quarterback, he can find a way to operate in a system that's not the greatest in the world. But if you give a quarterback a great system and weapons that aren't that good, it's going to be very difficult for him, especially when he's trying to figure out what to do in the NFL. I think both really matter. You hear it a lot that system fit and coaching and all of that is key, and it is, no question. But if you bring a guy in and he has subpar talent around him, I think that's probably an even worse problem for him. Yeah, for me, I it, it depends on exactly how we're defining weapons. If you're including offensive line and weapons there, then yes, absolutely, I'm going weapons. The uh, the offensive line is the most important thing. Uh, if I was t- building a quarterback or plucking a rookie quarterback, and you say you can only give uh, you know the rookie quarterback one one thing that's elite what, an offensive line receivers coach whatever uh, I'm I'm picking the elite offensive line for that guy that that's what I want most of all for him so that would be most important um, the the offensive system definitely a big help and that that's probably more important in the rookie year. Uh, I, I, you could make a stronger case for saying that rookie year to just give him something a little more friendly that he doesn't have to get too bogged down in certain stuff. But if, if the offensive line is included anywhere on this, I'm go with them. Uh, let them, you know, kind of it's a great offensive line is kind of like putting training wheels on this rookie quarterback. That's that's kind of what you're doing. You're giving him extra time to sit back, to not pa- panic before he has to make a, a really quick decision. So that that above anything else is what I'd be going for. Next question comes in from Michael Parsons. He says, after the preseason, and even though the wins don't matter, from what you've seen and what the training camp has been like, does it feel like a different team than what we've been used to watching the last couple of years? Does the coaching and management feel like they may actually be the right group of people to turn this thing around? So, yes, but how much of that? is really just still me in my head going through, uh, you know, the process uh, and agreeing with kind of the process that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have been doing here. Uh, you know, it, it's definitely looks light years about past what happened with Gase and going back and trying to like compare it to how it looked 
with Bowles at the beginning is is tough. At the end with Bowles, it was it was kind of a mess. There was just you know this uh, dark cloud hanging over because you knew it was uh, coming to an end. Um, but so yeah, I I'd say so. But it's it's also a lot of that is just uh, most of it honestly is just on knowing that both Robert Sala and Joe Douglas are about building from the trenches out. And that that's what I, I believe in. Uh, as much as I have always talked about having my uh, bias towards uh, secondary players, but I believe that to win in the NFL, you have to build in the trenches first. Uh, you on both offense and defense, you get those big bullies up front and you're going to win far more than not. And that's what they believe in. So I, how much of that is just leading into it? It's, that's probably a lot of it, but that that's where I'm at. Next question comes in for Tyler Greenwald. He says biggest riser and biggest faller this summer. Also bearded jet asks, what was the biggest surprise from training camp in the preseason for you? So Chris, Biggest riser and faller, and also biggest surprise. Perrine has to be Perrine has to be in there. Um, both the Smith brothers at at receiver have to be in there. Um, they they've really been impressive. Uh, I I don't know exactly. Uh, you know, I wouldn't didn't have expectations of them. I knew they were fast. Uh, I just didn't see them being able to put together the camp that they were able to put together. Uh, biggest faller. That's, I mean, it's not really much of a fall, but uh, <laughs> James Morgan, Mike White just haven't really been impressive at all. I, on the receiving end, I expected more out of Chris Herndon. Because obviously he's he's had really good training camps here in the past, but I can't really say fell too much because of uh, his blocking has been really good. And then I, I'll just I I still think he's gonna end up bouncing back, and by the end of the year he'll be getting uh, as many snaps and reps as pretty much anyone else at his position. But I. I got to think, you know, obviously the injury uh, slowed him down and has held him out at the end of camp in these the last couple of preseason games. But I think the biggest follower has to be Denzel Mims. Um, you know, uh, there was a lot of reasons going into it, but I expect going into camp, I would have expected to see more out of him. Uh, I completely understand the reasoning that why we didn't. I'm not worried about it long term, but that I would think that would have to be the biggest faller. That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. We will be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you check out everything Chris is doing over at JetsInsider.com. Read his very big deal work and follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. And check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. A lot of great film reviews up right now, courtesy of Luke Grant. He's got videos on Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Quinnen Williams, Morgan Moses, Denzel Mims, so many more. Plus, top five takeaways from the preseason games. We've got video clips of Zach Wilson's preseason performances as well. 
and Kayla Pace has her exclusive commentaries, Pace's playbook. All of that is on our YouTube channel. So go ahead and watch the videos and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.